0: if it was kershaw tipping pitches cj how does the hitter see that and take advantage well first and foremost chris if it did happen it always happens when the pitcher is in the stretch rarely can you pick up pitches when a guy is thrown from the lineup and that's what we saw in that seventh inning Back alone,
1: yeah. Back on our bullshit,
0: yeah, for real. Yeah. Literally, we're about to go back on our bullshit for like 75 minutes. So strap in. I know this is this is good though. This is like OG tipping pitches. <laughs> <laughs> back when it was just us, yeah, in the stew with you, no one else. You remember that? That
1: was a while ago. That was like what three weeks ago at least. Literally, I don't remember that. Uh, I don't either.
0: I don't remember a time before Anthony DeComo was on a runway while being interviewed by us. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, call out. Yeah. Well, you know, Anthony, if you're listening, thank you so much for doing the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh yeah, this is good though. This is we gotta we got a lot of stuff to talk about today.
0: Dude, October is almost over. I know. Yeah, we are like the World Series is here. Yeah. So we're coming to you on a Monday night. This is October twenty third. Yesterday was my parents' anniversary. Happy anniversary, mom and dad. Shouts out to them. And happy birthday to my aunt Karen today. I always get the two days mixed up. It's not great. But, Ooh. you know, I texted them this morning. And they were like, you know, it was yesterday, right? I was like, eh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, But, yeah, dude, October, almost over. This golden month of baseball is coming to a close. Yeah.
1: it's. I'm not ready for it. Well, no, i not you either. Know, you know, I'm excited for this week. And we're going to talk more uh, later in the episode just about the world series this matchup what we're looking forward to but we have a a week of pretty incredible baseball ahead of us so i am excited for that
0: this was the matchup we've been waiting for right since we started this podcast since day one yep this was it astros dodgers we predicted it we called it we're savants yes we know we're talking about yeah
1: hire us at fangraphs at espn at at 538 at deadspin at deadspin at the ringer You don't do enough
0: baseball coverage. (laughs) It's literally the World Series is starting tomorrow, and one of the subheaders on your website is not MLB or World Series. Yep. Just saying. Anyway, but before we get to the actual balls, bats, men running around on a field, we have a bit of a dramatic reading (laughs) that we're going to go
1: through. Yeah, we have some juicy stuff.
0: Yeah. A New York Post column about the man, the myth, the legend, Yossi Elbwig.
1: Yeah, this is a... Yo, I'm a a hard Yasiel Puig stan. You know that. I've said it on the podcast before. Yes, the you... big,
0: the world's biggest Yasiel Puig apologist. <laughs> as an can an a- do as no a- wrong. As an A's
1: fan, too. Like, whatever. Strange. Yes, I don't think Yasiel Puig can do any wrong.
0: He should be on the A's. Hot take. Yeah, why not? Get him.
1: I'm here for it. Anyway. um, But, yeah, anyway, so this was floating around Twitter the other day. A column by New York Post columnist Phil Mushnick. N- never heard of him. Sounds like a herb. That... <laughs>
0: I've been watching too much D. S. Amiro.
1: Yeah, so uh, I just wanna I wanna read through this one for you. It's it's pretty short, so we're just gonna go top to bottom, word for word. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're the, just we're really mailing it in at this point. We're just reading other people's. We're work. We're reading other people's work, but this, you know what? I, and here's what I wanna say about this. Before we dive in, I think if you if you write a good take, you deserve to be praised for it. And if you write a bad take. You deserve to be ridiculed for it. Yep. If, if either one of us has a bad take on this show, email us, tweet us, tell us. Literally do anything. Literally anything. <laughs> Call us out. We're, Mail we're wrong. Us. We're
0: dumb. Send us a letter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yo, show up at our apartment and like tell us. Um, you de- you deserve to uh, be laughed at if you have a bad take.
0: Yeah, fair. Yeah. So um, the- I would just like everyone to know I have not seen this column from our man's Herb Mushnick. Yeah. What was his name? Phil Mushnick. Phil Phil Mushnick. <laughs> yeah. So, the so this ti- is pure reaction from me. The title of
1: this column is "Why Baseball Doesn't Need More Yasiel Puig's." <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um. So he starts this one off with a uh, with a quote, and it's from Emo Phillips. Don't know who that is, but um, the quote is: "They call me Mister Baseball not because I love the game, but because of all the stitches in my head." Funny quote, really don't know why it's relevant to the column. I think you just put a quote at the beginning to make yourself sound smart. Like you're like, I know something that someone said in the past, and I'm going to relate to something that I'm about to say n- now.
0: For all my One Tree Hill fans out there, this is like in the OG days of One Tree Hill, the early seasons when my man <laughs> Lucas would read a quote from his favorite author before every episode and at the end of every every episode. So,
1: All right, here we go. <laughs> If you were raised to love baseball and to recognize the smart winning kind from everything less This but... is
0: already impressively racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh no, top the to bottom headline, it is. The headline is literally they subbed out black people and wrote in Yasiel Puig. But oh, anyway. Oh continue. it gets oh
1: it gets worse. It gets worse. <laughs> the the Dodgers Yasiel Puig is insufferable. As the sport is diminished by professionals who disregard the basic act of running to first base as a matter of style. Puig, an incurable home plate poser. Often makes turning doubles and home triples into singles appear effortless.
0: Does he pretend to be a, a diamond and yeah. lay
1: on the dirt? No, he poses as home plate. <laughs> yeah. Despite his conspicuous talent, Puig last season was rep, uh, remanded to the minors to get the point across that baseball, despite modern no upside compromises, remains a team game. It didn't take. In the postseason, Puig continues to behave as if he's in the home run derby. Pause that's like my ideal baseball game is everyone thinks that they're in the home derby can you imagine how fun that would be
0: yeah remember when aaron judge just hit a million home runs in the home run derby and everyone was like this is amazing yeah aaron judge was trending worldwide on twitter baseball is actually relevant fun and young yeah i think god i would hate that
1: batters should start bat flipping on strikeouts i don't even care i'm so down just everything just make it like korean baseball <laughs> Uh, He even seems to relish his high-risk flamboyant foolishness despite frequent backfires, yet some are good with that or at least pretend to be in the shallow hope of being heard or read as avant-garde. I think Yasiel Puig is cool because I just really want to be a hipster about it, and it's like alternative to like fun.
0: This is like old man yelling at clouds. Oh, this is like like
1: peak levels. This is like cream of the crop. Just, I had nothing better to do on my Thursday afternoon than just. Let's be real. He wrote this on like a Saturday
0: night. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude, he's avant garde. Yeah, he's selling his paintings on the street.
1: Yo, he really is. <laughs> liking Puig is just—it's the underground, man. You just—you just don't get it. Some people don't get it.
0: Liking liking Puig is like liking a different Nutramilk Hotel album than from the airplane over the sea. <laughs>
1: all right okay we'll keep going we'll speed through this um in the airplane (laughs) over
0: the sea that was a mistake let the record show i did not fuck it up he knows
1: (laughs) wednesday's topic on colin cowherd's fs1 show was does baseball need more personalities like yasiel puig and then this is the author again
0: old man yelling at cloud cites other old men yelling at cloud more how many games does quote
1: personality win (laughs) why not ask does baseball need more players who can't be bothered to run to first even in the biggest games or does mlb need more players who'd rather show off for tv cameras than play winning baseball i just want to point out that he does both (laughs) i don't give a shit i don't give a
0: a shit what yasio puig does because he's good yeah he is good he's sitting at like 400 in the playoffs. He, if he performs like this in the World Series, will win World Series MVP. And I just want to say, living in a world with Trump as president and Yassi Puig as World Series MVP, (laughs) it's just literally, it's all you need to know. (laughs) It is all you need to know about our society right now. Uh, Why would anyone
1: who knows good from bad, right from wrong, even throw out such a question? Ready for this? I don't know if I am. (laughs) Inspired by immodest adult fools... Little leaguers now pose at home, God forbid, bat-flipping, risking something for nothing. Whoa.
0: Whoa. Whoa. See, what he did there was use two words that ended in the same word. Yeah. Yo, uh, It's like an I, echo effect, you know? The demise— You learned that in uh, journalistic inquiry. The
1: de- <laughs> <laughs> I, I I promise you, the demise of America is going to come— from ten year olds standing in front of the mirror practicing their bat flips. That's how it starts. Slippery slope. Yeah. What else are they gonna start flipping? Uh cultural norms? Whoa. Middle fingers in football stadiums? Stop. <laughs> Ooh, don't even don't even raise that. <laughs> this is just this is just bad. And there are a few more paragraphs and he I'm not even gonna
0: Yeah, please spare us. Wait, I, just read the kicker.
1: Well, he he references a time when Jason Worth was being interviewed um, after a game, and it was broadcast on the screen in the ballpark, and he like, yeah, I s- he shouted some obscenities into the microphone, and our our guy Musk chimp or or You're just or confusing
0: s- him with Brent Musk chimp. <laughs> <laughs> this is slander, oh, and I m- will
1: not tolerate mushnik. Mushnick. Mushnick. Yeah. yeah. Um, he like he quotes some ESPN uh, host Molly Karam, who declared, Molly "I love Molly Karam. She's
0: dating Jalen Rose. Who de- Shout out to them. Who love de- is real."
1: Declared, "I love it," and then he ends it with, "Yes, such interviews would make great companion pieces to quote more personalities like Yasiel Puig, more stitches." Anyone?
0: I don't get that. I don't either. Who's getting stitches?
1: Well, it was a reference to the quote at the beginning.
0: Well, I get that part,
1: but like, so the stitches in the head. Are because he's playing a dumb game because his head is a baseball. But for some reason, if you're playing <laughs> baseball, it's like that meme of
0: that lady doing math. <laughs> I just can't <laughs> compute
1: it. <laughs> it's bad for you to have a ba- a baseball.
0: Maybe he's saying that Yasiel Puig needs to get beaned, and then he'll have the marks of the stitches on his body somewhere. Yeah,
1: more stitches, anyone? More stitches, anyone? Yeah, I wonder how Mr. That's Met- gonna be our new I wonder punchline. how Mr. Met feels about D- that. Yeah.
0: This is fuck that. That's, hey, this that's is, slanderous. No, this is more than slanderous. This is <laughs> this is a hate crime. <laughs> to mascots with stitches on their costume. <laughs> Bruh, come on. This is just
1: bad. This is like this is the type of column that someone writes like after he's first called up and gets really upset. You're like five years into Yasiel L. Puig's career and now you're getting mad about it that he's good going to the World Series.
0: Imagine sitting up at night thinking about these words I wanna... and then putting them down on paper.
1: Imagine watching the NLCS seeing Yasiel Puig stick his tongue out at the camera and being like, oh my goodness, I can't let my kids see this. <laughs> are, are you kidding me?
0: Yo, we're like uh, we're like one dugout pan to Yasiel Puig sticking his tongue out from some New York Post columnist writing about how Yasiel Puig is over-sexualizing baseball.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good um, lord. Uh, my counter to this is baseball actually does need more Yasiel Puigs. Yeah.
0: It could do with a few more. Yeah. I'm into it. And a few less Brian McCanns. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. So, uh Although, shout out to Brian McCann. coming through clutch, beating the Yankees. Fuck the Yankees. Yeah, true. 27 rings, more like 27 Ks for Aaron Judge. That's what I said, boy.
1: So, uh Phil Mushnick. Mushnick. Mishnik. If you're listening. Do better. <laughs> That's it. That's all we have to say.
0: All right, uh, there were a bunch of other weird things that happened this week, and we just want to go through a rapid-fire list. Just going to throw them at you, and we're going to do maybe 10 seconds of reaction, which probably means like a minute of reaction. Which probably means like five minutes of reaction. Which probably means we're never getting out of the studio. But anyway, first on the list, the Mariners, proud franchise that they are of yeah. their history. Seattle Mariners. Have one of the greatest baseball players who have ever, who has ever played this game Yeah, in Ken Griffey Jr., so they put a statue up of him.
1: I was going Ra- Raul Ibanez?
0: Oh, that's that's my man. Don't hate on Raul Ibanez. <laughs> I love him. He hit like 500 in the World Series. Yeah. Anyway, so they put up a statue of Ken Griffey Jr., as you do. He's holding a bat because it's a picturesque version of him following through on his swing with the one hand on the bat and the bat's down on the right. Yeah, the it's right like hand. one of
1: the most famous pictures of uh, of the kid, as he is called.
0: Someone stole the bat? <laughs> Good God. Someone chipped off the bat off of the statue and stole just the bat. So Ken Griffey Jr.'s statue was just holding the handle. <laughs> and this happened like maybe, I don't know, six hours after our last recording. Yeah. So, of course, we missed out on it, as we always do. But why Why? why do you do that? Instantaneous reaction.
1: S- stupid? <laughs> I'm, I, I mostly just have a lot of questions. I'm not even mad. I'm just kind of curious. Like I want to talk to the person. I mean, not even reprimand them, but be like, what are, you, what are you doing with that? Are they
0: keeping it for their collection?
1: You're going to hang it on the wall, and when people come by and be like, oh, cool, what is that? You'd be like, oh, I stole this from the Mariners. <laughs> this is Ken Griffey Jr.'s bat that I broke and took for myself.
0: How much do you think that goes for on the black market? Because like, people steal paintings all the time, like famous paintings, and I'm like, who are you selling that to? Because everyone knows it's stolen, blah, 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 blah. You're selling it to some weird, reclusive, rich, white guy somewhere off in like the Netherlands? Yeah. I don't understand, like... Where do you, what do you do with it? I'd much rather have a real Ken Griffey Jr. bat, (laughs) not a bronze cast of one.
1: Uh, I imagine the dad, it's like a dad who stole it for his kid because he needed it in Little League, and he's now just using a bronzed (laughs) Ken Griffey Jr. bat that used to be outside of the Mariners Stadium. Shards of metal on the bottom. All right,
0: next up. Speaking of keeping things for memorabilia, sad story. Last week, from uh, from your squad out in Oakland, yeah, from the Bay Area, yeah. So what happened?
1: Um, so as you may have heard, there have been some uh, crazy wildfires raging through uh, Northern California, Wine Country. It's been really tragic the amount of devastating damage that has been done there. Um, and there was one kid who his family had their house burned down. Uh, really awful and. In that house was his um, MLB memorabilia collection, a bunch of, like, baseball cards and I think a a ball that he had gotten at a game once. And so he actually wrote a letter to the A's being like, here's my situation. Uh, I can link to it in uh, in the show notes. But he basically said, you know, I lost everything. And, you know, as someone who grew up with my own memorabilia collection, I can only imagine how, I don't know, awful that is. The amount of, like relationships that you uh you know, forge with like your baseball cards and that sort of thing. The yeah. amount of time you spend pouring like over like you it. lose
0: like your whole house and the stuff that you worry about most is like the little stuff that's like that are like tokens of your memories, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. And so he wrote this letter to the A's being like, Is there anything you can do to help me out? And immediately, um I mean it was picked up by like media and the A's responded to him and were like, Yo, we got you. We're gonna um get a little memorabilia collection together send it to you there were like other fans who were like where can i um send some baseball cards or stuff that i have and then like every mlb team started tweeting like oh his name is lauren he's nine years old and shout out to yeah shout out to lauren Uh, they started tweeting at him being like lauren we got you with a memorabilia package i don't know if all 30 teams did it but this is i don't know just one of the kind of things that in the wake of this really big natural disaster, it's little stories like this that kind of warm your heart and and take me back to when I was that age too.
0: Yeah, man, that's so so pure, so it's pure, just so pure. America's pastime coming through, clutch for the youth of America. Yeah, that's one what I'm talking about round of applause. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I love it. I love that. Shout out to every team that is hooking up Lauren with his. Uh, his memorabilia replacements, and he's going to have, like, the collection of a lifetime after this. Oh, my God, seriously. Yeah, so,
1: Yo, real quick, I want to read this line that's the cutest thing ever. It, it's just the beginning of the letter, and he goes to the Oakland A's, I love watching your A's games. I want to be an A's player, and I play at Mark West Little League in Santa Rosa. I played baseball. I love that he shouted
0: out his Little League.
1: I know, right? <laughs> Respect. He goes, I played baseball in my backyard all day loving the A's and making up my own game. In my backyard, they won six World Series in a row.
0: Ah. Oh damn don't get don't get your hopes too high Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have a lifetime of disappointment ahead of you so savor this while you can all right well that's nice that's a nice heartwarming story after that bullshit column that we heard from about yasda up weeks. So. yeah
1: there are still good and pure things out there in the world yeah facts yeah
0: this is when sports can heal true all right what's next managers 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 man so many yeah this was like hiring week and we were just off for all of it so uh, as you've probably heard, my beloved Mets hired Mickey Calloway, who I am now contending is the most handsome manager in MLB. He's got a great chiseled jawline. Just, uh, yeah, love it. And a nice beard. He comes from the Indians, who just had maybe the best pitching staff of all time, and he was their pitching coach. So I'm hype. He handles the media really well. Apparently, I was in class when he had his live media day today. Uh, being introduced as the Mets manager but I mean like Anthony DeComo said when he was on our podcast the Mets are going to be looking or the Mets are going to be looking for someone who can handle the media well I mean a lot of the decisions that are being made these days are coming from Sandy Alderson are coming from front offices or across the league and so they were really going to prioritize someone who could handle the New York media much like Terry Collins could but obviously Terry had to go it's just a natural schism there between those two parties but so the Mets hired Mickey Callaway and the uh the Red Sox snatched up Alex Cora who was the hot managerial candidate of the 2017-18 offseason yeah. any thoughts about that i mean T-
1: tigers got Ron Garden hired too True yeah that's yeah.
0: uh turning back the clock there. Yeah, I know <laughs> so the Mets are the Mets and the Red Sox are going into the analytical era or helping out the average age of their clubhouse a little more but uh you know tigers are throwing it back Yeah you do what you do. Two, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> Tigers are not going to be good for a long
1: time. Well, they tried that out with Brad Ausmus, right? They were like, we'll get this young gun in here, and uh, it didn't work out so well. So they are like,
0: "Oh, hey, we'll just... But I will say, it did bring us a position player playing every single position on the field in one game. So. That is true. So it, I uh, respect it. If for nothing else, it was great. It was a success. But uh, yeah, any any quick thoughts about those managerial hires? I mean, I know it's kind of early, but...
1: Yeah, I mean realistically we mentioned this before um we started recording but like it's so hard to evaluate any of these moves this early on beyond like you said I mean Mickey Callaway was the Indians pitching coach you can look at how the Indians pitching staff did this year and conclude okay this can't be the worst thing in the world like clearly he was doing something right or at least he wasn't doing many things wrong is i think the the big thing that's the
0: other thing is that like as the Mets manager really all you have to do is keep those pitchers out there yeah you know and i know that the manager doesn't have much to do with that but if there's anything he can do organizationally or anything he can transmit to the rest of the the coaching staff that helps those pitchers stay healthy or helps them feel comfortable coming off injuries like that's all i'm asking for
1: Well, and I also think that this managerial shakeup that we've kind of seen in the last week or two just brings up the question of what the role of the manager really is and what he should be tasked with doing. Because right now, like, the buck stops with him and the manager sets the lineup and he sets the rotation and really makes all these decisions that shouldn't necessarily have to fall to him. And I kind of do wonder if we may start to see some more decentralized approach where like, you know, maybe the manager is like, I am really similar to like football. Your head coach might do much better with the offense and, and just delegate, uh, every football reference. Yeah. Right. dust That off the shelf. True. Damn. But you know, it's just like, if you, if you are a manager like Mickey Calloway who comes from a pitching background, you might say to your hitting coach, you work with the hitters, you know what lineup might work best. I do I do wonder if we might see a, a shift in those roles as opposed to the manager just being like I have to do everything and then if something goes wrong, wrong I will take all of the blame. Which <laughs> yeah, like it's just a doesn't dumb model, yeah, it like, doesn't make sense. Yeah.
0: I I am hoping that with a pitching coach stepping into the managerial role for the Mets, <laughs> hopefully uh maybe the bullpen usage could get a little bit more modern, contemporary. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, having come from the Indians, where Andrew Miller just comes in in like the fourth inning and no one gives a fuck, I hope that that can happen, and I hope the Mets find a guy that they trust like that. Perhaps Jerry Blevins. I'd, I'd like to see it, but you know, at the risk of speculating too too much early on, we'll be talking about this all off season because it, it'll be all we have to talk about.
1: Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning that he's what 42, younger than Bartolo i mean real young uh, he is younger than active players which is just kind of a weird thing to think about but you know i think it like you were saying it signals this shift towards you know a new generation of thinking about baseball maybe sabermetrically oriented it's kind of hard to say at this point what we're just like associating youth
0: with that yeah hopefully it turns out to be that also fun fact he was named after mickey Mantle. And his brother was named after Casey Stengel. So maybe we're we're getting back that New York mojo, baby. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that New York state of mind again. So it'll be exciting to see. All right, let's transition a little bit into the baseball that has been happening on everyone's TV screens for the last week Um, and has been blowing some people's minds, including my own. I think we were blessed with, although one LCS was kind of a, not a snoozer, but definitely lopsided, and we knew what the outcome was going to be, that American League Championship Series was... You know, cream of the crop, pristine, amazing. And we were doubly blessed that the American League was on FS1 this year, and we got to watch Big Poppy, A-Rod, Frank Thomas, Keith Hernandez, and my man Kevin Burkhart holding it down with those four huge personalities in the FS1 studio. So, Four huge
1: personalities and Kevin Burkhart. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's just what they should name the show. But anyway, before we actually talk about, you know, X's nose on field execution, I just wanted to talk about that booth because it's been pure joy for me to watch those guys and just to, to for FS1, who I hate on almost all fronts for, <laughs> as, it, as it pertains to sports media, but their live stuff is very good because what they do so well is that they let those four guys just – be themselves and be and you know exhibit their personalities and just be super weird and rag on each other like the the in-studio feuds between Poppy and A-Rod have just been giving me life it's wonderful or uh in the middle and after these games like what have your thoughts been in terms of watching this studio and and how they've set the tone for the games that have been so uh exciting to watch
1: I think it's been as you mentioned an absolute joy to watch just because I think they all bring their own experience and very unique background. And you have the, the A-Rod, uh, Big Poppy rivalry coming in which already sets up some great jokes. I mean, talking about A-Rod pulling out his World Series ring and telling Poppy to kiss it. And <laughs> and Keith Hernandez just kind of brings that like old sage just like yeah. sitting there surveying the the young kids and, and being like, "Oh, well, when I was your age and pulling just random weird ass <laughs> anecdotes about smoking two yeah. packs of cigarettes <laughs> out." was going to say this is where we got that beautiful <laughs> moment. Yeah, so it's been uh, a real joy. Also, I love Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas, I think he's a smart. Uh, I think he's a really intelligent guy, and kind of keep holds it down while the rest of the oh, yeah. guys are. Uh,
0: they get into their tomfler, tomfoolery.
1: Yeah, tomfoolery.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Frank Thomas is just like. Uh, but also baseball guys. Like <laughs> that's, that's, let's not forget. I remember in the. I think the ALDS. I guess Todd Frazier had gone the opposite way with a home run or something, or, or maybe Gary Sanchez. But I know it was someone on the Yankees and. It was Todd Fraser because it was that great interview that they did with him post-game where we we were both just turned to each other and we were like, is Todd Fraser the most likable person on earth? They were they were interviewing him as they do when they're still on the field. And, you know, Frank Thomas was saying that him and Fraser had been having a conversation before the game and he was telling him, you know, why don't you force them to go away to you since they all want to pitch you low and away and try to make you chase because he has that wild swing and he's a free swinger. He said, why don't you just protect the inner half and, and try to take them the opposite way and that's exactly what Fraser did for what i'm pretty sure was like a game winning a hit in that game and just to see that insight and to see their pre-game conversations really pay off in a post-game interview i'm like it's not just that these dudes are being clowns or that they're talking about their playing days or they're kicking back and telling stories from the old days like these dudes know what they're talking about and they incorporate it so well much in the same way that the the much acclaimed uh tnt i think it is the tnt basketball booth yeah um inside the nba yeah that's like the
1: model for the post-game halftime analysis and i
0: think they're really taking that to baseball and they're doing a great job with it so if you haven't seen them at all i don't i believe you're going to get the chance to see them again because the world series is usually on fox but make sure that you're paying attention to that and tuning in 20 30 minutes before the game because they're offering really great insight and they're putting up jokes that actually pay off during the game
1: yeah. My mom pointed this moment out to me that after the Astros clinched the pennant uh, on s- uh, Saturday night, uh, Alex Bregman was answering questions after the game from, from all of the guys. Uh, and then he they wrapped up the questions. And as he was getting champagne poured all over him, he said very earnestly to the guys, you guys are the ones I always looked up to. Oh,
0: my God. My heart <laughs> melts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and can you imagine what that's like for a guy who's, what, 21, 22? I don't know how old Bregman is. To be talking to your idols.
0: I would just like to point out, in the middle of that earnest moment, Alex Bregman was wearing, like, bug goggles <laughs> to, like, protect his eyes. It looked like he was, like... He was wearing like blind blind person goggles <laughs> and yeah. then big poppy because because Bregman looks so ridiculous with those goggles on big poppy found Two water cups and put them over his eyes to imitate <laughs> what Bregman looked like. I mean, if you haven't seen the picture, I tweeted it, but also we'll post it yeah. uh, a link to it or whatever in the description. But y- you have to go see it because what an earnest moment to happen while both of those clowns are looking absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so it's wonderful. Uh, one other thing, just because we we had a hot take from the New York Post already. Uh, I want I want to get in one from the Daily News real quick. And he was and this columnist I'm not even going to it's not worth getting into, but this is just a take from a columnist in the Daily News and he says with the quirky videos, attempts at snarky banter, bits designed to embarrass and trying to cast Ortiz in the role of Barkley, Fox is following TNT's blueprint for success. Unfortunately, comedy isn't easy. On these studio shows, it must also come with timing and chemistry and at this point fox's baseball show has none uh, what, you just haven't been watching yeah that's a garbage that's take. just that's just a bad take yeah
0: you you maybe watched a minute and they were out of sync for that minute cuz yeah. they've been great
1: yeah what you ha- you just had the tv on pause you're like they're <laughs> not saying anything there's nothing of substance here uh, yeah it's great this is wonderful it's Aside from all the baseball, this is maybe the
0: best thing about this postseason. <laughs> this is the best time of the year. Yeah. All right. Uh, when we come back, actual baseball. Woo! <laughs> Show me some wisdom in your mood. Feelings
1: you provide. Feelings you provide. I know. I know. Feelings I. Feelings
0: I know. Hey. Feelings you provide. So we mentioned before, hell of an ALCS that we had. Really two powerhouse lineups, and both teams were really good at exploiting the other team's deficiencies. You know, the Yankees made the Astros pay for their bullpen struggling in the middle of that series, and took advantage of the home field advantage that comes with playing at Yankee Stadium. I just want to talk about large takeaways from that series, because most people have probably gotten their fill of this already. We are a couple days late to this, but, you know, we are students... You don't have time to just get in the studio every day. (laughs) But yeah, watching that series, I mean, what was your biggest takeaway or what are some things that you really enjoyed and can't wait to see more of in the 2018 season?
1: I think it's really fun because this is the Astros team that we have been waiting to see for a few years now. And finally getting, I mean, I know it's just kind of been a culmination over the playoffs, but getting to see these guys really come together as a team, that offense is lethal, I mean, it's ridiculous. And, and it was
0: terrible during the middle of the series. It was series. terrible, yeah,
1: um, for a lot of the series. And uh, meanwhile, Jose Altuve is like the one shining star, uh, whatever. So uh, we're going to see more of them, obviously. God
0: was like, yo, you might have Trump, but I'll give you guys Jose <laughs> Altuve just to like mitigate that a little bit.
1: But the Yankees, I think we are seeing, you know, the start of a new quote unquote dynasty or at least this next roll your eyes, yes, I know. But I we're starting to see the new wave, which has arrived a a year or two early that I don't think people were expecting them, as we've said before, to go this far anyway. So they lost in the ALCS, but I think the future's very bright for them. They're gonna need obviously. those Bregman shades. Yeah, they really will. <laughs> so that was fun. Watching Aaron Judge strikeout was less fun but he had another awesome catch
0: literally every he was really boomer bust in the series like it was either a home run a double he robbed a home run or he was striking out that was literally all we saw of Aaron Judge and I hope people really look back on this season not for all the strikeouts in the postseason and just like the amazing things that he accomplished as a rookie and yeah I mean like you said these teams the difference between these teams was razor thin it was like a Justin Verlander thin You know, two Justin Verlander starts away from the Yankees just taking the series easily.
1: Yeah, it was like in some cases it was a couple runs. If those first if that first game or two goes the other way, it's the it's easily the Yankees series. Oh, if
0: Justin Verlander doesn't throw an absolute gem in game two, the Yankees win this (laughs) in five. Straight up. Like I mean, they wiped out four with them and people are talking about why the Astros come up short. What are they missing? What pieces are they missing? But now they're in the World Series. I mean something that stuck out to me is that games one and two, you had the the play at the plate with Gardner when he got thrown out when he was trying to score from first on a double and that kept the game scoreless and the Astros ended up winning by a narrow margin and then game two you got the play at the plate with Altuve and Sanchez can't corral it and you know you can hot take all you want about Sanchez not being able to catch the ball. The truth is they the Astros were aggressive and it paid off for them but if either of those plays goes a different way that just goes to show you like the absolute precision that it takes to play baseball at this high of a level when these two teams are both so loaded and we're seeing such a concentration of stars in the league like we talked about on an earlier episode I love baseball when it's like this I love baseball when it comes down to I mean don't get me wrong I love home runs I love I love strikeouts I love all of that but just like to see it's more exciting when a team has to make a play to win and I think the Astros had to make a lot of plays to win they were not handed it by any means necessary that play from Bregman in game 7 Throwing Greg Bird out, I mean, I know Greg Bird is painfully slow, but it took a perfect throw, and the baseball that I love to watch, a lot of people are talking about how it's not entertaining because, whatever, everyone's just striking out, walking, or hitting a home run, and it's going all, it's going extremely slow, but that's a bang-bang play, and they didn't even need to review it.
1: <laughs> Bregman needs to make an absolutely perfect throw on that play, otherwise it's a tie ball game, and I think there was only one out in that inning when that happened, so... You know, if the Yankees then have two on with one out, tie ball game. That game goes any number of ways. But Alex Bregman, who is sitting there fumbling with the ball, while B- Greg Bird is already halfway down third, uh, the third baseline throws a bullet to McCann.
0: This is the benefit of every MLB player having been a pitcher at one point in their life. <laughs> because Bregman definitely has thrown off a mound at some point, And that was like a 90-mile-an-hour strike.
1: Yeah, so that was perfect and Bregman is a joy to watch he's so young yeah uh he's that's what kid. happens
0: I mean that's what happens I think they were saying this on effectively wild but that's what happens when you have two shortstops on the left side of your infield yep <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's like that's it's just vacuums over there yeah and and then you have Altuve on the right side who is the exact same way so god damn I feel bad for any team that had to play the Astros or the Dodgers this yeah, year no. you know I I will just finish up this ALCS talk by saying my heart does not break for the new york yankees.
1: <laughs> they will be f- fine, yeah. I think.
0: <laughs> uh 40 pennants? Yeah, you can wait on number 41, guys. <laughs> Come on.
1: <laughs> uh all right, but uh NLCS, that one was fun as well, although In a that different feels, way. that feels like that was a while ago. Yeah. Like it has been a while since we've watched the Dodgers play baseball. They uh they kind of took that one.
0: I mean, I, they they outclassed the Cubs, period. Yeah. It was just their roster is just better they just have more they have more players a that Dave Roberts trusts out of the bullpen they have guys that came in and were pitching confidently were able to just get it to Kenley Jansen and in a way that the Cubs could not get it to Wade Davis and even when they did get it to Wade Davis I mean he didn't look lights out in any way he sort of reminded me of old school Brad Lidge it never really (laughs) looked good but (laughs) he somehow got to save (laughs) but yeah I mean A couple blunders from the umpires in the series sort of made a show out of what was really all Dodgers all the way.
1: I don't think anyone really expected this series to go any other way, especially with the way that the Cubs season has gone and the way that their, the playoffs have really been gone. I mean, they've really just kind of scraped by. And I know that people are now raising the questions about, you know, what are the Cubs going to do? Like, their dynasty looked complete a year ago, and now it's like everything's in limbo. And it's like, OK, I think they're going to be fine because the 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 issue is that we're comparing this team to last year's where we were like this is one of the best teams we have literally ever seen and now we're like wait they didn't win the world series this year what are they gonna do
0: there's no such thing as a championship or bust season in baseball that doesn't exist i mean in basketball it's one thing if the warriors don't win the title this year like that's a bust that's a big time bust but that's because you can control what happens a lot more in a sport like basketball but with baseball i mean Anything can go any number of ways. Like yeah, a ball a can bad bounce hops. the wrong way. Exactly. And I've always been a little skeptical of this like Cubs dynasty talk. I always said they are a fantastic team. Their core is ridiculously young and they're going to be good for a very long time. But they had serious questions last year. And for whatever reason, the magic of that run kind of just papered over them. But Jake Arrieta wasn't who he was two years ago. I mean, John Lester is not going to be great forever. He's an incredible playoff pitcher, but in the regular season, he was sort of lackluster this year. John Lackey is like 50. They have serious questions in their pitching staff, um, both in the rotation and in the bullpen, and their defense had to come back to the mean. I mean, there's no way they were going to play several runs above even the best team, the second best team in the league, again this year. So if you're a Cubs fan don't freak out. I mean, you still have four or five of the most exciting young players in baseball. One of those young players is Kyle Schwarber, who you can probably move to the AL for a really good haul that can help your bullpen or even your starting rotation. I mean, not a lot of people are giving up a surplus of starters right now, but you see dominant relievers moving back and forth like it's nothing. I don't know. I just don't think they they fell as far as people think they did this year. I think that they were sort of teetering on that edge of, good team, and last year they just happened to be a great team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say that I think they are going to be one of baseball... You know, if we're we're talking dynasties, they're going to be one of them for the next few years. Yeah, but what even really... It depends on how you define dynasty. Yeah, it's dependent on how you define dynasty, and also... You know, a couple good or bad seasons from guys can totally change that up. I mean, they clearly need pitching. But, like, you know, like you said, an infield of Bryant, Russell, Baez, Rizzo is pretty damn good. Not to mention that outfield is stellar. I mean, they have bench guys who are picking up the slack from that awful Jason Jason Hayward uh, contract. They have question marks, but what team, like, doesn't have any I think... Obviously, besides the Dodgers and Astros.
0: I think a lot of writers have made this point, and it's a really good one, but that progression in baseball is far from linear. And so, even though a lot of these players made a big step up to win the title in 2016, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to make a similarly sized step up in 2017, or that they're even going to make a step up at all. I mean, they could plateau for a year, two years, and then they could figure something out and make another gigantic leap in 2018 or 19. So... It's not time to really press the panic button. I mean, this is a huge club with a huge payroll and budget and a genius in their front office. Like, they're going to be fine. Yeah. They're going to win the NL Central next year. Like, don't worry. It's it's cool. Yeah. A couple
1: other things from the NLCS.
0: Yeah, it feels like maybe we should talk about the Dodgers <laughs> a little bit, the team that actually won.
1: Kike fucking Hernandez. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's my boy. Or as MLB has to <laughs> refer to him, apparently, Enrique Hernandez.
1: <laughs> My mom has been on the Kike Hernandez train for the last few years, and I've kind of been like, oh, yeah. I he's, mean, I like he's him. Uh, he's, he's
0: a- rocking a surprising number of buttons on his jersey this year. It's <laughs> like no. I didn't even recognize him. You know, like back in 2015 when the Mets were playing them, he straight up I could see like his belly button. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's like buttoned up. He doesn't look quite as you know loose out there. He's yeah. I don't know. He showed out, man.
1: Yeah. Where are all the hot takes about how baseball needs less Kike is
0: that's going to be my hot take when the World Series starts. Yeah. Kike Hernandez is ruining baseball. <laughs> I I just got to say, if you hit three home runs in the NLCS clinching game to send your team to the World Series for the first time since 1988, literally anything you do for the rest of your life is incredible. Yeah. You have now solidified yourself, just you're above anyone in regular society. Yeah. That's it. That's and all I, I got to say about that. I can't argue with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's amazing. I, I tweeted this out that like it's pretty amazing that this these playoffs have been weird and strange, and the names that are going to stand out after it are Kike Hernandez and Charlie Culberson, who has who's running like a twelve hundred OPS.
0: Didn't know who Charlie Culberson was coming into these playoffs. I, I,
1: would, gonna... I would wager that most people didn't know who Charlie <laughs> Culberson. I'm not even sure that Farhan Zaidi knew who he was.
0: Farhan Zaidi is looking pretty good these days, uh-huh. man. Farhan yeah. <laughs> Zaidi did it up.
1: Yeah. Yo, um, sucks to beat Carl Edwards Jr. That uh, that walk to Darvish, not great. He did not uh, throw many strikes this postseason.
0: No. And that's sad. That's so sad. Yeah, because I really like him. I like him too. He can come to the meds if he wants. <laughs> if he's being a maligned in Chicago, we got a spot for you. We got several spots. We got uh, literally all the spots. We'll just clear everyone out. <laughs> You can sit anywhere on the bench that you'd like Carl Edwards Jr.
1: All right, Dodgers, Astros. Yeah, we're getting into it.
0: World Series, let's do it. So so this is what we waited for all year, all summer. This is what we talked about when the Astros were streaking and the Dodgers looked unbeatable, I would say, (laughs) when literally every bounce was going their way and they would let games get to, like, the bottom of the ninth, and they'd be like, all right, we're going to call up our third-string rookie catcher, and he's going to hit a walk-off. We've been waiting for this for so long, and it's finally here, and I'm almost so excited by, like, these two blindingly talented teams that I don't even know how to parse what to talk about. But I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is that even with all this young talent, we got Cody Bellinger, we got Corey Seager coming back, hopefully. We got, like we said, Bregman, Correa, Altuve in the infield for the Astros. But even with all of that, potentially what is going to set the tone for this series is Justin Verlander versus Clayton Kershaw, yep, and that is fucking awesome because it's just a these teams are such just such a good mix of young, ridiculously talented players with veterans who have been doing it for so long, and I sincerely hope that these two clash like you would not even believe,
1: yeah, we have two of the greatest pitchers of this generation, one of whom is one of the best we have ever seen, each supported by this young cast of rising stars, some of the better hitters that we have ever seen. Jose Altuve and uh, Correa and Bregman facing off versus, you know, like you said, Seager. Seager's back this series, which I'm stoked for, and and Bellinger and Puig. I mean, this is just going to be, I don't know, the Clash of the Titans, man. This is... (laughs) It's exciting. It's really... It's really exciting, and this is, I think, what baseball needs, frankly, is two teams like this. Not that a a Yankees World Series would have been unfun, but I think that we needed a Dodgers-Astros series like this just to kind of, I don't know, I think it's going to get people really interested.
0: Yeah, because ostensibly these two teams are going to be here for a very long time. Let's just go in. Game one, what are some problems that you think each team could present to the other team. Like, we know that both of these teams are extremely loaded, but they're not just going to cancel out exactly, you know? So what are you worried about if you're a Dodgers fan and what are you worried about if you're an Astros fan? I'm worried
1: Rich Hill sweats enough as it is. I'm worried for him, man. (laughs) Like, that guy always is out there looking like he's just running at 120%. It's <laughs> he's like a computer that's on overdrive. that's just like the fan is worrying and it's hot and I'm like I don't think my dude can take this and now you're about to go sit him just in the baking sun. <laughs> Weird for that.
0: Yeah, and we should say it's going to be 100 degrees at first pitch in game 1. That's ridiculous for like a midsummer game. This is not the midsummer classic. This is not the <laughs> all-star game. This is literally the end of October. And so yeah, Rich Hill Yikes. <laughs> he literally looks like he's sweating just when he's sitting on the bench. Yep. So that's a fair point. Uh, if you're an Astros fan, what are you worried about then?
1: I'm worried about most of the Dodgers rotation. With the way that my team's been hitting, I'm probably worried for that. Although Kershaw has you know, looked less Kershaw-esque this postseason. I mean, he has been certainly not Justin Verlander unhittable. So... I guess that's maybe more of a, a concern for the Dodgers fans. <laughs> but, I, you know, I think that you look at that Dodgers rotation alongside their absolutely light-out bullpen, and as an Astros fan, I'm probably a little worried. You really got to hope that guys like Correa and Bregman step it up because Brandon Morrow is shut down. Kenta Maeda is, is, weird. is shut down. Um, and I really don't want to have to face Kenley Jansen, who has he allowed, has he thrown any balls this postseason? I don't know. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> so He's unhittable. So that's probably my biggest, if I had to say a concern, it's the hope that Astro the Astros lineup can reset a little bit and Bounce back towards their mean for the year.
0: I mean, if I'm an Astros fan, I'm mostly worried that Justin Verlander might end up looking relatively human at some point, and maybe he doesn't, and maybe you win the World Series and he becomes a World Series MVP like Madison Bumgarner level. But if he even takes it one notch back, I mean, the Dodgers are going to make him pay, and if they make him pay at all, then how are you getting to that Dodgers rotation? How are I mean, because you know. Dave Roberts is gonna pull the starter at any sign of struggling near the third time through the order. And once they turn it over to that bullpen, he's you're not fucked. A, yeah, you're fucked. You're straight up fucked. If you thought, oh damn, we just got past the Yankees, thank God we don't have to see Robertson, <laughs> Green, Green, Stanley Chapman. Chapman, like you like, yeah, literally it, it whoever. Gets worse. Yeah. Uh nope. <laughs> you gotta face Jansen, who is the best relief pitcher in baseball right now and their collection of guys that are somehow so much better out of the bullpen than they were as starters, like, I don't know. That's what I'm worried about if I'm an Astros fan. But then again, like, when that lineup's on, there's nothing that – there's no pitch that you can throw unless you're Kenley Jansen throwing that cutter on the outside, but he can't pitch all nine innings for sure. So if I'm a Dodgers fan, I mean, I don't don't really know what I'm worried about. Like, either they're going to just – they're going to show up as the team that was slumping in late August and September – or they're gonna win the World Series.
1: I think it's gonna be the latter. Yeah, let's, let's be real.
0: <laughs> so is that your is that your call?
1: Yeah, I'm. Yo, before the season started, it was Dodgers over Astros in six. So I'm You're uh, sticking to it? I'm gonna stick to that. I think I think that the Astros are gonna pull a couple out. I think that we will have some games that go their direction, but the Dodgers are just good, man. And watching them play. We've talked about chemistry before, and I know you can't quantify that, but it just feels like they're on a roll. It just, you look at them, and it just feels like their year, you know? <laughs> and you can't
0: quantify it. felt it like f- the Yankees were on a roll too, though.
1: Yeah, I still kind of thought the Astros were going to pull that out, though. Like the Dodgers are, they have just steamrolled everyone. Yeah. Like you can think that maybe they'll slump back down to that August team, but they've really looked like that June team. Yeah. And uh, as long as they're doing that, yeah. What do you, What's
0: your pick? Oh man, you know on <laughs> the hate, record. Go. I hate making on the record predictions because I usually, I usually just use this opportunity to jinx one of the teams. But with this, I don't really want to jinx either of these teams. Yeah, I like both of these teams. I like a lot of players on both of these teams.
1: So they're gonna tie.
0: So they're gonna tie. Yeah. Yeah, we're making this one a six-game series, 3-3, three, three, <laughs> all. And let's just wrap it up. Everyone gets a trophy, and then someone in the New York Post can write a hot take column about how this is everyone gets a trophy culture. Fucking, fucking millennials. Participation yeah, awards. ridiculous. They Liberals. participated in the World Series. What, we're going to reward that now? Yeah. They, quote, won the LCS? What is that? They're one of the best two teams yeah. in the- arbitrary... <laughs> but anyway. All right. Uh All right. On the record... I'll go Dodgers in six also. <laughs> 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 they're ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, they're ridiculous. But I, I feel bad because you talked about momentum and you talked about, like, on a roll. Like, to see Houston do this, I mean, I know it's it's sort of fallen out of the national conscious in a way, but to see Houston do this while their city is still underwater and while, you know, I really believe that Houston is rallying around this team in a way. You know, they rallied around J.J. Watt, and and that team's terrible. So <laughs> they have something to actually rally around sports-wise. To see them win it for Houston, bring it back to H-Town, that would be pretty cool. I, and they've never won a World Series, you know. We could we could listen to a whole offseason of hot takes about how the Dodgers spend way too much money and don't win World Series if this happens. So yeah. I I don't want that. Um, But, yeah, I, I do think the Dodgers have the slight advantage. Predictions are stupid because – you make the right prediction, and you still look dumb if it's wrong. Yep. But So this is the right <laughs> prediction, and we're making it, but we're going to look dumb if it turns out to be wrong.
1: Honestly, I think all you can do is really just be excited that we're even seeing this. Um, hopefully, we,
0: Actually, hopefully it goes seven so that we can see as many games as possible.
1: That is true. This is one of the rare times where we see two 100-win teams match up in the World Series. The I last, think it's the only time, right? No. The, it happened in, like, 77, I want to say. That's a long time. It is a long time, and given the amount of times that we do see 100 win teams, it's it, like it, at it least is, a couple every year. Yeah, and it is, you know, clearly very rare that we get this uh, this sort of matchup. So just be excited, just be happy that it's October and we're watching two of two of the best baseball teams to play in a very long time.
0: We're gonna say this every year, every year.
1: <laughs> but to this Astros lineup versus. This Dodgers pitching staff is pristine, and I'm just going to be relishing every second.
0: Uh, Hopefully we all are. Hopefully we're appreciating this moment while we have the chance before we go into the dark days without baseball in the offseason.
1: Yeah, so we're excited, is the point.
0: The point is we're excited to watch.
1: if you couldn't tell, it's the Dodgers and the Astros in the World Series, and and us?
0: Excited. We're excited. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hopefully we don't look like idiots come a week from now. But uh, anyway, when we come back, slightly more serious note, but a little bit more of our sports media talk that we've had a couple of times. Show me, show me,
1: show me how you do that, trick, the one that-
0: Alex, Bobby. many people have disagreements with the company that is called ESPN. Which one's that one? That's the one that the worldwide leader in sports. (laughs) Disagreements from the right, disagreements from the left, disagreements from the The center. The top and the bottom. Up, down, underneath, over. Behind? Red, yellow, blue, green. (laughs) (laughs) Lots
1: of disagreements. Anyway.
0: So recently ESPN announced within the last couple months or so that they were going to be giving a show to two Barstool commentators. If you're not familiar with what Barstool is, just think of the most misogynistic dudes that you met in college who talked about sports and didn't let women do anything near them um, and then put it on a website. Yeah. That's pretty much Barstool.
1: When Cam Newton the other week said, wow, it's funny to hear a woman talk about roots, Uh, you can be sure that all the bar- Barstool guys are like, "Yeah, sit down."
0: <laughs> yes. So ESPN announced that they were going to p- partner up with Barstool. Their two main commentators who who host their most popular podcast and one of the most popular podcasts on the internet called Pardon My Take, which was hosted by their sports aliases are I don't I don't know their real names, but I don't really care. Their sports aliases are PFT Commenter and Barstool Big Cat. And their ESPN Gave them a show, a, a one AM show, much in the vein of like Jalen and Jacoby, who who their radio show got, uh, translated onto TV now, and they do like late nights on weekdays. Yeah, so it's essentially
1: an adaptation of their podcast in theory. Called, yeah, called Barstool Van Talk.
0: So, as the internet does, it flared up over this decision because, you know, ESPN likes to call itself a champion of diversity and. You know, for what it's worth, they do have the undefeated, which is a, a really great website where Black writers write about Black issues in culture and sports, and they have a relatively diverse newsroom. But from a management standpoint, they have often, as we talked about with the Jamel Hill incident, I guess you would call it the Jamel Hill controversy, um, they have often choked that diversity when it comes to a when it comes to a political head. So they gave them a show, and it turns out that a few years back the one of the one of the people who was on the show Barstool Big Cat was on a podcast one of their like weekly rundowns with then head of the site who is now no longer running the site Dave Portnoy and he said some incredibly misogynistic and sexist stuff about Sam Ponder who is a college football and I believe NFL sideline reporter married to Christian Ponder, and he was just bashing them. And, Saying
1: that basically she's just there to like make guys hard.
0: Yeah, eg- exactly. Yeah, And so many people at ESPN had issues with the fact that they were giving a show to two people who came from a website that has been this overtly sexist, this overtly misogynistic, and has targeted it at female ESPN employees. Yeah, so when the news came out that they were going to give these two guys a show on ESPN, cut them ESPN checks, give them ESPN publicity... Obviously, Sam Ponder took issue with it, and so did Sarah Spain, who's an ESPNW columnist. Because not only, uh, not only were they being directly attacked by these people who worked for this company, and and you know, Barstool, Big Cat, whatever for whatever it's worth, was not the one making these actual comments, but he was on the other line on the phone, laughing along with them, and you know, promoting this joke that was this awful joke that was being made. And so, long story short, Sam Ponder goes back and forth with them on Twitter. And it turns into this whole big debacle where everyone's like, all right, why are you giving these sexist clowns a show? Why are you promoting this bullshit? And, and one of the big issues was that not only are these people directly attacking ESPN reporters, but also they rile up a fan base of college-age men, men in that demographic that ESPN wants so desperately, 18 to 35. They rile up this fan base, and they're in the Twitter mentions just saying ridiculous stuff to, to these silent reporters, to these women that work for ESPN. And so today it comes out, thankfully, in time for the show. Yeah, literally like a half hour before we started recording. Which is so rare, because usually the news comes out a half hour after we stop recording, as everyone who has a podcast likes to repeat and complain about. It comes out that ESPN president John Skipper comes out and he says, Effective immediately, I am canceling Barstool Van Talk. While we had approval on the content of the show... I erred in assuming we could distance our efforts from the Barstool site and its content. Apart from this decision, we appreciate the efforts of Big Cat and PFT Commenter. They delivered the show they promised.
1: Yeah, so literally this is not even a week after the first episode of the show aired. They were like, eh, people aren't so into this. To, to
0: the skipper statement, I say... They delivered the show they promised, they delivered everything they promised, and they delivered everything that everyone on the internet promised that they were going to deliver. You should have known. It's such a disappointing lack of effort in vetting the people that you're hiring. The people that you're giving a platform on your network, which you're taking Jamel Hill's platform away. It's such a lack of effort in terms of looking into what these people have done in the past because you're so blinded by the fact that you want 18 to 35-year-old viewers. Like, is it really worth this? Is it really worth going through one week and being, like, back and forth, listening to what Twitter has to say, listening to what people have to say on hot take shows about this? Oh, they should keep them on. Oh, this is edgy. Oh, it's happening at 1 a.m. Is it really worth making yourself look like a clown when you cancel the show one week in? Is it really worth that?
1: Yeah. it. This is stupid front to back. And it kind of reminds me of, like, what the New York Times has been doing Over the last eight months or months or so, with like the platforms they've been giving to people on their op-ed pages, and it's a lot of really right-wing inflammatory people, and you know people who aid and abetted like the invasion of Iraq and shit like that. And I'm not saying that (laughs) I'm not saying that like the people from Barstool Sports are the moral equivalent of the people who who started the Iraq War. (laughs) Started the Iraq War, but it is it's this notion that like. To increase our readership or viewership, we just need to cast a wider net and get more diverse views from the left and from the right. And it doesn't really matter what they're saying because we're not endorsing it. We just want these viewers and readers and we just want to put these ideas out there. But it's fucking stupid. That's liberal bullshit. Sorry. And to think that you can distance your network from a website that spews misogynistic shit on a daily basis. I mean, they've toned it down now. I mean, a few years ago it was
0: bad. It like, was really bad. Real bad. But the the people that follow Barstool still follow it because of the stuff that started a few years ago. Yes, exactly. The loyal fans who are going to follow them to ESPN, who you want them to follow them to ESPN, these are the people who started following them because they were misogynistic assholes. It It's, you cannot separate one from the other. And this both sides-ism from places like espn and places like the new york times it doesn't make sense to me i'm fine with hearing two different opinions on a nuanced topic i'm not fine with hearing one nuanced opinion and one opinion that's just inflammatorily wrong like the fact that sideline reporters are just there to be hot and stared at by men that's not an opinion that's just sexism that's just wrong like there's no nuance to that take that's not even a take that's just men being disgusting do we really need more of men being disgusting in this world, getting a platform to do it on the, quote, worldwide leader in sports? Give me a fucking break, dude.
1: Yeah. And it this, for, I think, further just shows how much ESPN lacks any sort of spine or moral compass, right? Because you give them a show and then can't even like stand behind it for a week. And you crumple to public opinion and pressure, which, good, I'm glad that so many people were outraged by this awful abomination of a decision. But, like, they couldn't even stand by their choice. And if you're really going to crumble to the pressure that quickly, it probably wasn't that good of a decision in the first (laughs) place. Like, and you should have known that coming in. You should have known. Everyone knows what it means to read the room you can read the room on this one. Yep. You you saw people's reactions to the Jamel Hill controversy and the suspension, and I know that this deal was probably in place before all that unfolded, but like maybe you could have just been like, "I'm gonna push this one off for a few months. Like and we'll then just, just we'll let just, it. We'll just put this on the back burner for now. We'll just
0: put this on the shore and we'll wait for high tide to come up and take <laughs> it away. <laughs> it's like
1: I don't know. It's it shows a complete and utter. Misunderstanding of what I think viewers want and what where public opinion is right
0: now. And I'm not saying that ESPN is not allowed to make any mistakes just because they call themselves a worldwide leader in sports. I'm not saying that you can fuck up, you can have a bad program, you can have a uh, you can miss on a show, you can miss on live rights, you can do whatever you want that your company might have made a quote mistake. But when you make a mistake, That literally everyone was telling you was going to be a mistake from day one. Hiring someone from Barstool Sports and not expecting the misogyny and the sexism and whatever else, the crudeness that comes along with that. It's just such a telegraphed mistake that I'm just like, I don't feel bad for ESPN for this PR firestorm. Not even a little bit because they brought it on themselves. Don't give misogynistic people a platform. Stop doing it. You want bad things in the world to stop happening to women? Stop putting men who don't like women on a platform. Yeah, stop giving them
1: a platform. It's it's very simple. It's not going to solve everything, but by giving them a platform, you're only hurting it.
0: And you're making it okay.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's just... Anyway... Now that that rant is over, (laughs) uh, we're going to wrap up in a little while. So uh, when we come back, just a couple more baseball-focused things, and then we'll take you to the World Series. Well, that uh, that brought out ranty Bobby and Alex. Yeah,
1: that's good. That's good, Bobby and Alex. The problem, <laughs> we, I- the problem is we agree on it, so it's like it's just us yelling into the void.
0: Yeah, the void. Well, you know, it's fine. No one's listening. An hour and fifteen minutes into this, anyway. <laughs> uh, hour and fifteen minutes in, we've uh, dragged this on long enough. But before we let you go. We would be remiss if we did not mention the fact that baseball might be expanding.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the future of baseball. That's exciting.
0: That's a nice, easy thing to land on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it was this, um, there's been talk about baseball expanding just kind of in the last few years. I know Jonah Carey has been rallying around bringing a team back to Montreal, there's been a very large... Jonah
0: Carey moves baseball fans the way that Shea Serrano moves everything fans.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, and I think public opinion has largely shifted in favor of a move like that. Last week, there was an article in Baseball America that actually proposed what this realignment might look like in very concrete terms. And I think it's important to point out that we should take this with a grain of salt because... This is largely speculation. Maybe it was leaked by the MLB just to see what public reaction would be like on this sort of thing. Any sort of realignment and expansion would not happen for years, but I think it's an interesting conversation. And so this article by Tracy Ringlesby, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Sorry, Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Proposes in pretty concrete terms what this sort of thing might look like, or at least what one option is. Let's get into it. It would involve the addition of two teams, one in Montreal and one in Portland. So one in the NL and one in the AL. But there wouldn't really be an a- an AL and NL. It would because you'd have 32 teams now. This the the proposal that this lays out gets rid of the traditional like three divisions per league, and just changes to a four overall divisions. So you have the East, North, Midwest, and West, each composed of eight teams, and it combines like AL and NL teams in there. I don't know if they would just change who is in the AL, like switch half the teams to the AL and switch half the teams. And to that's the NL. what I saw. It's possible, just I, based
0: more closely on geographic location as opposed to like how expansion teams were just thrown into leagues that "quote unquote" needed them. So like how the Marlins play against like the Phillies and Mets even though that's kind of really far away I I mean they could play with a team with a contingent that's much more southeast focused you know and so some of these alignments that at least from what I saw on Twitter which is verifiable fact uh, some of these line alignments more closely align with their geographic location
1: yeah like there is no reason that the Oakland A's should be in a division with the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. Come yeah, on. What? <laughs> That's like there's no reason for that. And so part of the. There should just
0: be a Texas division. Yeah. All actually. Texas teams and a California division. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and p- part of this realignment is to ease like travel schedules. Right. You're not switching time zones so often because there's no reason that the A's should play a you know, game in Oakland one day and then just travel to Texas the next day. And
0: and then, who, like, be in Boston, like, two days later. Yes, like. exactly.
1: So you would create more ease on the schedule. And it also talks about switching the season down to 156 games, which would mean that... It should be um, 154, but yeah. Yeah, well, whatever. But also, I think just kind of a smart move. I'm not really going to miss those six games that much. And if it helps player health... Honestly, and I wouldn't miss
0: like I don't want to say like twenty games. I think I could lose like sixteen games and still be fine. Because like one hundred forty eight games, if you can't det- if you can't determine who are the best teams in one hundred forty eight games, like what are the extra or one hundred forty sixteen, whatever it might be, if you can't determine who's the best teams in that large of a sample size, then at this point, why are we even playing for seasons? We should just be playing for decades. Who wins the decade? You know what I mean? Yeah. Does this does anything about this expansion plan? worry you i mean we'll put the link in the description so that people know exactly what the expansion plan kind of looks like but knee-jerk reaction what about this worries you because for me i'm sort of worried that like division rivals might get split up
1: yeah and that's what people are talking about right is that historic rivals that aren't necessarily geographically based might end up a little wonky i care less about that frankly you will still have the the regional rivalries like the mets and and the Yankees, you will get more of those games, which I think are always fun. A Subway series or a Bay Bridge series between the A's and the Giants. That's fun. I, I'm i into it. You're rolling your – are you in
0: – I just don't want to play you, the Yankees more. Uh, fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I'd much I, rather play the Braves 16 games a year <laughs> than the Yankees 16 games a year. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Braves and the Marlins.
1: Well, the A's would lose the Astros and gain the Dodgers as rivals. So, great. <laughs> I'd, it's just like we're, we're it's just a step to the side. Like uh I don't know. I don't think that that worries me. It's like as a turnstile of L's. It really is. <laughs> I I think it, it upends. Wait, can you just read
0: off who would be in the Mets the Mets division? The, the East?
1: Yeah, so the East No, actually the Mets would be in the north, as this lays it out. Oh. So that would be Boston. Nice.
0: Fuck. Cleveland. Fuck
1: this. Uh, Detroit, Minnesota, Montreal, the Yankees, uh, the Mets, and the Blue Jays.
0: I'm 100% against this. This is the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> this is actually so stupid. They have to play the fucking Yankees and Red Sox and the Indians? Are you fucking kidding me? No, No. Yeah, no. Sucks. No. Sorry, Montreal.
1: No. No. One thing it's important to talk about here with this is also how it would affect the playoffs this essentially proposes an expansion of the playoffs. playoffs would go from 10 to 12 teams, which is a lot. I mean I don't love that. I don't love it either. There's no real clean way to do it though.
0: I see, I don't like the thing about baseball playoffs is that it's more exclusive than the other you know, the other sports. Like NBA playoffs, like really bad teams make the NBA playoffs. Really bad teams don't really make the baseball playoffs. I mean, I know the Twins were not great this year the Rockies were not totally convincing but they were still good enough having an only top 10 situation it's just a little more fun to watch because at that point it's like what we talked about we what we've been talking about this whole playoffs and that like there's so many good players concentrated on good teams and every team in the playoffs is fun to watch like you're not rooting for if if you're a neutral fan you're not really rooting for one team or the other because if Bryce Harper gets eliminated then Javi Baez gets to play in the NLCS or or Chris Bryan or anthony rizzo so i think with an expansion you might get like a bad team like the mets in the playoffs or something like that
1: yeah i mean we already talked about how the second wild card makes it makes it so that most teams have a shot right and this just only bumps that up even more i think right now 33 i don't mean to y-
0: sound like the old man yelling at cloud in the sense that like back in my day it was a lot harder to make the playoffs you had to be, have the best record in your league and then you made the world series i don't mean to sound like that because I, th- I think like having young exciting teams that are just on the brink sneak into the playoffs is a fun thing i just think there should be some bar to clear for it
1: yeah i mean just in the last few years we have seen the number of mlb teams that reach the playoffs go from like Twenty six percent of the league to thirty three percent of the league, and this would raise it up to like thirty eight percent of the league makes the playoffs, which is pretty ri- wild. That you are like forty percent of the league, yeah, well, the is, NBA is, is making 50. it in, yeah. In
0: other sports, it's fifty, right? Yeah. So. Which
1: is which? I mean, there is nothing. No, I think there is something wrong with that. Actually, <laughs> I, I like that it is very exclusive. Like that was you were a quick saying,
0: turn. I like that. <laughs> um, I mean, think about it in academic terms. You get a fifty. <laughs> yeah, it's <an> F. <laughs> it's not a one-to-one comparison, but hey, what are we talking about here?
1: Um so I think it'd be interesting to see how that works. I think what's being proposed is like the four best teams from each division or the the best team from each of the four divisions makes it in and then you have the just the eight best teams after that after that make it in and you have a and then you just have a shit ton of like play-in games and I'm all for like dragging out the playoffs, but I'm I don't not know.
0: No, I'm not. I'm not all for dragging out the playoffs. We don't need to water this shit down. Like, it's there's a lot of games that are on every night. My girlfriend is mad at me that we've been watching baseball games every <laughs> single night for the last month. Okay, it's fine. It's fine how it is. Yeah. Don't need to break. It. Don't need to break the system. I do like expansion though. So let's add six teams. We'll just throw one more team in every single division. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Wait, okay. 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 Portland, yeah, we got Portland. We got Montreal. Montreal. All right. What else? Uh, Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> That's three. Can you imagine the mess that Yasiel Puig might get into in Vegas and what that New York Post columnist would have fodder for at that point?
1: Oh, my God. I want to see Bryce Harper and Yasiel Puig on a Las yeah. Vegas team. Yeah, Bryce Let's Harper
0: out there in his hometown showing yeah, Yasiel yeah. Puig the spots, boy, on the strip. Yeah, that would be fun. But, All right, so But,
1: but uh, don't trade Harvey there. That would be bad. Yikes. And not go over well. Yeah, we're not going down that path. <laughs> okay, so that's three. What else? I I feel like, honestly... I feel like the Midwest needs some baseball love. If we're being real, they're like, they're yeah. Why not? Sure, that's
0: four. (laughs) (laughs) What are other cool cities? Um, Let's let's give another one to Canada, man. Vancouver, five.
1: Boom. We need one
0: more. Nah,
1: two Canadian baseball teams. that would be it.
0: Be three Canadian baseball teams at that point. True. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck what you heard.
1: Nah, that's too many. Mexico
0: City. That's five. Sure. Let's give Mexico a baseball team. They love baseball there. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Uh, all right, Mexico City. You vetoed Vancouver. Fair. We all get one veto in life. Uh, <laughs> you have to choose the last city then. If you wanna veto Vancouver? You gotta come up with something. It's facts, man. We're at like hour. We're at like one hour and twenty five minutes right now. <laughs> Starting to get a little stir crazy.
1: Ala- uh we gotta we gotta go for a, a city in Alaska.
0: Veto. Fuck this. Come up with a real one. Ah,
1: uh, boo, boo. <laughs> you
0: vetoed Vancouver. <laughs> Alaska is more Canada than Vancouver. <laughs> sorry to the people of alaska our listeners in alaska you're american citizens yeah what about puerto rico oh. if you can't come up with a better one than puerto rico then it's gonna be puerto rico i mean puerto rico puerto is puerto Rico's a not country. a country not a city but yeah san juan yeah all right looks like we got it we got a little latin diversification in there i tried to get more canada fuck more canada <laughs> it makes
1: plans grow who cares what it does since you broke
0: my Loves the wind. Who cares that it makes All right, uh, we have gone super duper long on this. So, is there anything that you want to leave the people with, Alex?
1: I'm excited, certainly. I think I think the realignment is fun and necessary. And there are going to be people who are like, "You are ruining the fabric of the game." But like, the game needs to change sometimes, and Montreal deserves a franchise. And a Portland franchise would be fun as hell. Yeah. And there actually, there's a really good documentary on Netflix called The Battered Bastards of Baseball, which I recommend that anyone see, but it's about... Uh, this attempt to start an indie league baseball team by Kurt Russell's father, Bing Russell, in like the in, name? <laughs> in like the 70s. Anyway, expansion. I'm here for it. Let's expand to like 80 teams yeah, worldwide, be a national, uh, Yo, international. It'll be like the actual World Series. Yo, you'll finally, start bringing, yeah. Why start isn't it called the National
0: Series? Because that sounds bad. The,
1: um, the countrywide series.
0: Ethnocentrism. <laughs> Yeah, let's bring in Korea, man. Let's bring in. Uh, I think
1: I think now we're just describing the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, I think <laughs> so.
0: All right, well, I think that just about does it for this week, Alex. It's been a while since we bantered like this back and forth, so we got back to the roots of the pod.
1: Yeah, feels good. We got the juices flowing.
0: If you made it through this, I salute you.
1: God, same. <laughs> I'm not even going to listen to this one.
0: <laughs> uh, we'll check back in with you in about a week when the uh, World Series is well underway. Yeah. But until then, thanks for listening and. Uh, Enjoy the fall classic.
1: Yeah, enjoy that October baseball. Bye y'all. All right. All
0: right. So we mentioned before, hell of L- hell of a pair of LC L- C- Hell of a they of they LC it Anyway.